Now then, welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before at this point in our lives, midlife. I'm Sam Turner, and this is a man, a myth, a philanthropist, Hmm. Christopher Jenkins. Uh, do you do you give to charity each month? Like, do you have a direct debit? I'm afraid not. I, I have at various points in my life, but at the present point, n- no. Because you got pinned down by someone. Like, no, no, I've never, I've never, I've always avoided the chuggers. Yeah, you you're good at good at swerving them because they're on Bull Street out this way. I always say I'm catching the train if I'm going that direction on Bull Street. So, oh, so you actually don't mind engaging with them by saying I'm I'm catching a train. I, I just like, I do a dance where I make sure they don't see me and I oh, weave right. in and out of them. But because I've got big eyes, they always see me. But then I find ways to like, I like pretend to look in shop windows and stuff. It takes me a while to get through it. Yeah. But I get I get past the chuggers. It, it's your big eyes, you think, that makes you visible? Big eyes make me make me more visible. Is it not the opposite? Uh, why? Well, you can see more because you've got big eyes I can see more but people um, eyes are the gateway to the soul I think that's what you think is it I, I think it's something I came up with maybe no it's clever um, and I think if you have big eyes I think humans are always looking to lock eyes and make eye contact uh-huh. and I think if you've got big eyes they'll latch on to you yeah like a tractor beam <laughs> right but, you, but you've never been a small eyed person have you um, I don't I don't know where uh, I don't know. I don't think I've been a small eye person. <laughs> I mean, my my mum said last week that your eyes never change size. Like babies are born. I don't believe it. No, I've heard something like that. Yeah, I don't believe that. But I think she, I think it actually might be. No, it can't be that. It can't be the space between your eyes, can it? That will change size. I think surely everything you're born with changes size. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so. Yeah. She said, she said, your, your ears never stop growing. That's the one. Yeah, like your ears. Yeah. Yeah. So you get so as you get older, you, your ears keep on going. But I, I, I can't imagine I was born with this size eyes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I can't, I can't imagine it. <laughs> I'm enjoying imagining it. Yeah, yeah. Each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born and running chronologically through to the present day. Before the recording, neither of us know what each other thinks of the film. We started on, we did. on the year 1983, and this week we're back to um, service as usual. So we're on 2009. Nutsford Services. Nutsford Services as usual. T-Bay. Better. Yeah, Road Chef. Road Chef's not bad. Uh, so it's Chris, do you want to set the scene? Let's set a scene. We're in 66 Garrick Street, uh, L74LF. It's my home. The time is 11.14am. This morning I've eaten bran flakes with oat milk and a banana on top. What have you eaten? Uh, I've eaten two fried eggs on uh, brown sourdough toast. Nice. Mm. With butter or margarine? Well, it's interesting you should say that, actually. It's, yeah. it's like you've almost uh, read, your mind. read my mind. Yeah, so I go travelling as of Wednesday this week. Yeah. Um, and my partner made the executive decision on our last big shop not to buy a new tub of margarine. I mean, how long are you going for? Four months? Yeah. 
I don't think leaving a tub of margarine in your fridge for four months is going to do any damage. No, no. I'd, I'd say you could probably that stuff would probably last about ten years or something. Um, but her argument was, we've got a block of butter. I use either block of butter in for cooking, not for spreading. Yeah, yeah. She said use that for spreading in the last in the last few days before we go. So this this uh, this morning and. A few people know my opinions on this. I might have talked about it on the podcast. I had to spread real butter on toast. Which, you mean it was really hard? Difficult, yeah. It was difficult. It, despite, I know what you're going to say, it's been out It's been, It's been. been out of the fridge. No, no, I wasn't going to say that, um, Sam. I was going to say, just cut off the block, the bit that you need, put that on a saucer, put it in the microwave for no more than seven or eight seconds. It's a lot of faff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it, but you know, do you think there's a danger that you might use up that block of butter and then you'll have to buy a tub of margarine anyway? Um, there's not much danger of that. No, Claire's almost gone completely off bread, so um, it's only me that's spreading at the moment. Okay, okay. Um, she's porridge all day long. I've probably got another three or four slices in this sourdough. Yeah, uh, I'd say we've, we've timed it quite well. You know, it. it in theory, it's a good plan. It's just the emotional turmoil of having to spread butter. I say, I say it's, it's a it's a good plan in one sense, but I'd say it's quite fraught. Yeah. Like what if, like as I said, what if you run out of that block of butter? Yeah. No, it, it is. Um, and I, I'd say it's putting unnecessary pressure on all the or things you've got to do anyway, like packing and stuff. Yeah. No, you might be. You might be right. Also on the on the menu for this week is risotto, um, and we've already discovered that the onion that we had earmarked for this risotto has gone soft, so we have to throw that away. Did you earmark a, a red onion or a white onion for the for the risotto? Uh, it was a it was a white onion, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't have been averse to using a red onion. We did have a red onion, but that red onion was used for it, it was earmarked for something else. Something else, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, so it was a, it was all a full a full white onion, and then when you cut it, it was rotten inside. It, it, it just well, I mean, I, I I'm only, I'm getting second hand information here, but to the touch, it was soft apparently, so it had to it had to be thrown. Oh out. right, okay, okay, soft to the touch. You could just go and buy a single onion from somewhere. Yeah, um, but what I was going to say is, obviously, the butter is needed for the risotto as well. Okay, yeah, you do need quite a lot of butter for that. Quite a lot of butter, yeah. and you need like. Have you got an open bottle of wine earmarked? Because you need some wine as well. Um, well, it's interesting you should say that, actually, yeah. because um, I use white, red wine in chilli, um, and I've been opening wine especially for chilli. Yeah. Like, quite bougie sort of st- style. Yeah. Whereas my old, the old Sam would have just had a bottle of wine from ages ago that I wouldn't have drank, but because it would be too old, but I would use it in cooking. Yeah. But this chili recipe requires two hundred and fifty mils of wine. What's a bottle of wine? How much is a bottle? Uh, of wine? Probably six, six to seven hundred. Six sixty, probably. Six sixty, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so I use a, a hell of a lot of old wine in this chili, and I think it gave me bad guts. Right. Okay. I don't think old wine can do that. Right. Okay. Well, it, it, that was my theory. Claire's theory was a lot of nachos because we we did chili nachos. So. Might be that. Um, but um, who's house sitting your flat? Your house? Uh, a Texan called Nate Dog. Okay. 
That's, it sounds like you made that up just to put listeners off breaking into your house. No, there is a Texan, and he is he's called Nate. So we've set a scene. Mm-hmm. What are your session aims for today? Well, my session aims for today, I think I'd like to just leave on leave on a good note. Yeah, I agree. Because this is the last um, session uh, before the big the pause, the, the four-month pause, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So um, you want to leave on a good note. I want to leave on a good note and I want to set us up for the next chapter of the podcast just to be more professional. You want us to be more professional? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, be more professional. Okay, what can we do to be more professional? Um, probably stop saying um a lot. Yeah. That's one thing. Maybe having consistent time, times, t- running times. Yeah. And f- on my part, more thorough research. Okay, good, good. You had a haircut today. That's quite professional. Yeah, well, that's one of the that's one of the ways I want to achieve the aim. Talk us through your haircut. Um, um, so Charlie cut it as always. The brother of Swanky Malone. Yeah, Charlie at Norman's. Um, Norman's on um, Smithdown Road. Yeah. He um, he said, what do you want? I said, well, as you know, Charlie, I'm going away for four months. He said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to take it cl- closer at the sides. Okay, um, right. I'm going to keep it choppy on the top. Yeah. Um, and But I'm going to take a bit more off. And then he said, basically, what you usually get, but shorter. Okay, that, that's called a short back and sides. But keep it choppy on the top. That's Choppy on the top, yeah. so like, um, yeah, it's textured, isn't it? Well, he also said what we've got to be careful of is your crowns. What's that? And, and when he said that, I thought, this is this is why I pay you the big bucks, Charlie. Crowns are what everyone has. It's like the bulbous bit at the back of the skull. Well, a lot of people just have a crown at the top that it com- the, the sort of oh, hair comes out from in a swell. You've got a cow's lick, haven't you? I've got three crowns and a cow's lick. My, my hair's a goddamn minefield. yeah. So most people have one crown, you've got three, and yeah. a cow's lick. Yeah. So he's he's like felt your head and he's... He's just, you know, he's he's, uh, he's cut my hair for a long time, he knows it. Yeah. He knows the landscape. Yeah. So that's why you go there, isn't it? Yeah. And he's cut it shorter than normal because you don't want to have to get a cut while you're in a foreign country. Um, I don't want... If I can... I'm wondering whether I can just go the whole time without getting a haircut. I think um, a lot of people who go travelling grow long hair. Yeah. Yeah. You've kind of like stopped yourself from doing that because you've had a really <laughs> short haircut before you go. Yeah. Well, no. It'll still grow. It will, but you you won't come back with long hair. You'll just come back with like a, a normal haircut probably. Well, how long will it grow in four months? Uh, you tell me. Quite long. Okay. Um, something, just want to flag something... Yesterday, I said, let's go for... We're going for a, a meal tonight with one of our fans from the pod. <laughs> yeah, it's just something we do. It's a special treat that we do, isn't it? Yeah, and and we were looking for places to go, and I suggested go for a, a Chinese hot pot in town. Yeah. And then you thought I was being facetious. Well, um, several messages, bef- not many messages before that, that our fan that we're going for a meal with said... Well, Sam, what you should do is ask yourself, what are you going to miss when you're going away? What's oh, right. Really you gonna oh, and, right. And choose by choose with that in mind. Yeah. And then you said, get exactly the cuisine that you're going to be ha- having as soon as you go away. 
Oh, I, I forgot about all that. Oh, yeah, a lot happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I. But your response was, I think, you said I'm not going for Chinese because I'm about to go to China and eat Chinese for two weeks. Yeah, that that was a bit of a red flag for me. That, I mean, they, they they like that in China, though, don't they? What red flags? Yeah, yeah they do. They do. Um, but it made. I I just thought it, it's a bit. It was a bit on the defensive, and I, and I feel like you're a bit apprehensive about eating Chinese. No, no, no. I, I think I said that w- with in mind what what um, our listener said about have something that you're going to miss, and I thought, what am I going to miss? Afghani, Afghani cuisine. So that's why we're going for Afghani. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. So, are you going to go see the Great Wall? Yeah, I am actually going to see the Great Wall. I was thinking, um, do you need to go see the Great Wall? Well, it's yeah. visible from space. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So you could probably see it from here. It, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Great Wall. But it, it, to be honest, it wasn't chief amongst my priorities. I think what I want to do is get in amongst it, in amongst the, the cities, the urban. The urban lifestyle of, of the, the China. sprawl, the sprawl, the sprawl. Yeah, um, eat the food, speak the lingo. Yeah, immerse yourself in that culture. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, which you can't do on the wall, I don't think. But um, and it's a lot of it's rebuilt, isn't it? A lot of it's rebuilt. Yeah, but I think Ben is um, our guide. Um, my partner's brother is picking out a bit of it that's meant to be not. Some of it apparently it's called the Mac Wall or the. The wall by Disney because Ooh. it's so t- t- touristy, yeah. Uh, and he, I think he's found as a section that's a bit less like that, where it's just a bit more ramshackle. Yeah, yeah. Packed earth, maybe it's packed earth. I wonder if they've got a Chinese version of this, the Sycamore Gap. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I hope no one chops it down. Yeah, because that would be a national disgrace. Yeah, I wonder what tree would be there instead of a sycamore, a Chinese sort of tree. Uh, what's the one that Buddha sat under? Um, um, I'm not sure. A lotus tree? Mm. I don't know. Is it? Is that I think, a tree? I think so, yeah. Or it could be like a, a blossom or something. Yeah, ch- cherry, cherry cherry blossom. blossom. Yeah. Is that Japanese? Is that Japanese? Mm, maybe, yeah. Don't, don't, don't talk about the Japanese when you go to China. No, don't just don't mention don't, them. Don't mention the war. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, uh, they really... They, they, they apparently they sing in some uh, Chinese primary schools. They sing anti-Japanese songs at assembly in the morning. Right. Okay. There's yeah. a. I think I remember seeing there's an anti-Japanese museum in uh, Beijing as well. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to Australia, New Zealand, and uh, America. Yeah, but they're English speaking. So it's, it's not really travelling. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Um, but just for the record, California, Colorado, New Mexico, Michigan and Illinois. Uh, that's where you go. They're the states that I'm going to, yeah. Good, yeah. Just in case we've got any listeners there that want to. Sure, and for our listener in Belgium, please, you haven't got in touch yet, please yeah. please get in touch, please write in. Okay then, Chris, shall we uh, move on to this week's film? Absolutely.
This week's film is Daddy Longlegs, 2009, directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. The film is about a father of two, divorced, and his struggles balancing life and childcare with his two sons, Trey and Sage. Yeah. Lenny is the name of the father. He lives in New York. He's a projectionist at a cinema. He's fair to say he's a ramshackle individual. Yes, yeah. Um, um, A fun guy, but not a responsible guy. And that's basically the tension at the heart of this movie. Yeah, definitely. He's a... He can be a bit abrasive, I'd say. Yeah, a key question for me that I'd like to put to you, and you don't have to answer it now, is, is he a likeable character? I should probably answer it now, when, while we're still doing the podcast. Yeah. Tonight. <laughs> yeah. Not, not save it for later. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time to answer that question. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that in the Safdie brothers' films, I've seen this and a couple of others, they don't necessarily give you a protagonist who's that likeable. Is that right? Well, yeah. I've never, I've only seen one other Safdie brothers' film. Safdie, Safdie brothers exist to me like I should, I feel like I should have seen their lots more of their films. They're often referred to in the magazine Little White Lies. Okay, uh, which you, you know that I'm a fan of subscriber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've only seen Uncut Gems. Okay, yeah, I've seen that, and I've Which seen is, Good Times with Robert Patterson. Um, and this is very much Elephant in a Room, Mumblecore. Um, it's a Mumblecore film. Um, it's na- nailed on the wall, dyed in a wool, copper-bottomed it's Mumblecore not, film. It's not suburban enough to be Mumblecore. It's not middle-class enough to be Mumblecore. Ouch. You yeah. know, it, this is set in the city, and... It's more like Cassavetti's style. Isn't it, it? It, yeah, there's a lot of um, Italian realism in the style, I'd say as well. Yeah, is that is that a genre? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it? It's, um, my friend uh, Kevin Gaten's often that's his biggest influence. You know, Bicycle Thieves. Yeah, Italian realism. Oh, is that Italian realism? Oh, Italian real. Yeah, Italian realist. Is that what this film is? It's like the Bicycle Thieves. Um, I think so, yeah. Is it? Yeah. I've seen Bicycle Thieves. Ooh, so have I, yeah. I've seen it, boy. Okay, good, good. Is that yeah. what this is like? Uh, in, this, in the sort of... Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's, there's Mumblecore, there's Cassavetti's, there's Italian realism. Yeah. They're, they've all got some commonalities, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd say this film is narrative fiction film. Yeah, um, and it's shot in a way that feels like a documentary. Yeah, but it's scripted. I'd say semi-scripted. Semi-scripted, or they improvise a lot mm-hmm. for a few weeks while they flesh out the script. They use a few. They mix in a few non-actors as well, mm-hmm. and the way it's shot is urgent and unpolished. So that makes it feel like a documentary. So it makes you feel like you're watching something pretty authentic and real, even though it is fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, all of those, I'd, all of that, I'd associate with Mumblecore. Yeah, yeah. I just think of, I think of Mumblecore as a bit more uh, student filmy. 
Mm, okay. Whereas this does this feels a bit closer to the bone, a bit more edgy. It does feel edgy. I mean, it is edgy, isn't it? It's set in on the streets in New York. Yeah. You know, the protagonist is is uh, kind of he starts off quite likable, I'd say, and then he does a couple of things in the middle of the film that are questionable. I mean, he does something quite near the start, doesn't he? When when he um. Goes out. He got. He's got the kids, and then he goes out to a bar, and he picks up a woman. Yeah. And then he heads to um, having. We've already met his girlfriend, so he's got a girlfriend. Oh yeah. And then he goes to a bar and picks up a woman, and his girlfriend seems sounds seems nice. She buys him a salamander. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question about that. Yeah. Um. So I think straight away, really, you think this is a guy of dubious. Morality. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't cottoned on to the fact that that was his girlfriend. Uh, I thought it was his ex, and uh, yeah. So, and also later on, he he has a work slash childcare conflict, and he he spikes his kids with a tranquilizer to get them to sleep longer, so that he can do his night job. Yeah, and then that's when me and Emma lost sympathy as parents. Yeah, and we were like just worried about whether the kids were going to wake up. Was there a small part of you thinking, "Wow, if this works, this is no a small we, part of you"? No, no, we 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 would never spike Griff. Yeah, yeah, just this, maybe a little bit thinking, "Well, if it's if it doesn't harm them, just a little bit, yeah. just a, a small whiskey or um." So you give him an eighth of a pill that only makes him sleep for two hours. And they sleep for like three days. Something like that, yeah. 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 It's really... This film is pretty much exactly the same as Good Time and Uncut Gems. It's like... It's, it, it builds in tension. It builds in tension minute on minute mm-hmm. until it it's at unre- unspeakable levels in the last third of the film. And that's yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, the other true. two films, like it's a meandering plot, which is great because it's unlike any other Hollywood films you'll watch, mm. and it feels like they've got drawn on real life experiences and thing. There's lots of blind alleys in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. The things not leading anywhere. It's just there for its its own sake, and then it builds intention and becomes more serious as the film goes on. Like it started quite light hearted. I loved the bit where he slept with that woman and then she's like, oh, I'm going upstate. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I want to come with you. And she's like, yeah, come along. And then she, they go along with her boyfriend. Uh, isn't that, is that not a dad? It, it's her boyfriend. Is it, de- is it definitely a boyfriend? 110%. I was reading the synopsis. This right, morning okay, to double wow. check. So it's, he tags along on a trip upstate New York with her boyfriend. And he brings a... a, a Mixed tip for them to play he's in the car. But he says he's allergic to having music in the car because because <laughs> uh, he'll distract him. And, and you know the guy also brings his kids along, so he's he's there on a road trip with the woman he slept with with her boyfriend who doesn't know. Yeah, and that was like comedy gold. That was like that that could be a whole entire film. That premise, it's, mm. it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, and it started out pretty light-hearted film, and then it just got more serious as it went on. Yeah, yeah. I, I describe um, uh, the guy uh, Lenny as a uh, Kramer light. Is that 
uh, Seinfeld thing. Yeah, you're not yeah. really familiar with Seinfeld. Not though. really, no. But no. he's got a lot of the sort of mannerisms and the quirks of um, Kramer. Right. But just not, yeah. not, not as likeable, not as not as funny. He does look like him. He's got the same haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of... yeah. Um, he walks on his hands for a good distance. I wondered if, how much of that was good editing to make it look like he was standing on his hands for a long time. Well, I think for a lot of the distance, he's been held up by his... Um, Belt belt loops by the by kids. his children. Yeah, so I think that's cheating a little bit, but he does it for. A... Do you know many people with circus skills? Uh, I know, I know. I'd say I know about about ten people with circus skills. And which are the most? Which are the most impressive, and which are the least impressive? The uh, names of people or skills? The skills. I mean, one of them, one person I'm thinking of in particular. You know him. He can play accordion and he can juggle, and he can do like he could probably walk on his hands as well. Wow! Well, yeah, who who's that? Duncan Cameron. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 was in a Canadian? No, he was in a circus. He's in Cirque du Soleil right now. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So circus skills are important. Yeah, you don't want to take like the least impressive. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Not gonna bad mouth. What's well, that thing called with it when they, they like shake around the, the shake around the um, that's not ribbon a, on a string? That's not so ribbon on a stick. I forgot what it's called. Poi? That, is that poi? No, poi is with fire. Uh, okay, that is impressive. But the thing with the ribbon on a string, I don't think it's a circus skill. Would you say walking on your hands is a circus skill? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Would, would you ever? Do you think? the time of your life has passed where you'll learn to um, ride a unicycle yes do you yeah I mean as the person the fan who we're having dinner with tonight yeah uh, he went through a phase of playing unicycle hockey when we lived in Hong Kong yeah and he, and he used it as his um, primary mode of transport sometimes he? yeah 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 uh, and to, to he's not a sports player he's not an athlete he, well he I can't say he's not an athlete. He runs like 10k a week or something. Mm-hmm. But um, he's not a sportsman. But he did play unicycle hockey. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't quite answer my question. What was the question? <laughs> um, have you passed the point in your life where you think you'll yes. learn to unicycle? Yes. What if you decide you wanted to? I'd go and get one. And you, and you could if you wanted to. But you've, you've, you've passed the point in your life where you've I lack, got a desire to do it. I lack the open space to do it. The oh, nearest right. place I could do it is the graveyard. But where did, where did the and family... I don't, I don't think people visiting <laughs> their family's graves want to see me practising unicycling. No. They'll probably think I'm, I'm like some sort of clown or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I've told you, but I was walking with my ex, my ex and her family through Allerton Graveyard and it was a really hot summer's day and my ex's stepdad took his top off was walking with his top off yeah you've, you've, you've told me you've, I think you've said that story on the, on the, on the pod. podcast yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one thing yeah riding a unicycle is the next level I think isn't it in a graveyard do it topless then that would be even more so but answer me this where did the fan that we're going for dinner with tonight learn the unicycle he Stumbled upon it in Hong Kong. So he learnt it in Hong Kong. I can't imagine Hong Kong's a place so furnished with open spaces. It's not, actually. He used to do it in Victoria Park 
in Causeway Bay. It's not a place over furnished with clowns, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> you know. No. It depends on your definition of clown. Uh well, they have to have that qualification from the um Goliath. Good Goliath. Goliath. The clown school in Paris. They are like Baron Cohen and Satcher Baron Cohen and mm-hmm. yeah, Simon Amstel. Lebo Luby. Lebo Luby. Qualified clowns only. Yeah. And I mean, my partner, Emma, she went to Goliath as well. You've never told me that before. Yeah, she did the summer school there, so she was there for a f- few months. So she's a qualified clown? She was there at the same time as Simon Amstel. Uh, classmate? Classmate, yeah. They were they were doing exercises. And what did she that. say about Amstel? She said that he struggled to puncture his ego, which is like pretty much the only requirement of becoming a successful clown is to completely let yourself go and be completely stupid and a complete moron. And But he's a comedic... Comics are very different to clowns mm. in that they retain the last bastion of defence. Yeah. They have a persona. They have an ego. As Steve Martin called it, the ego's last stand. Yes. And it, it, it is. It's going up there and getting people to not laugh at you but you're trying to trying to conduct their laughter you're trying to control the laughter a lot of a lot of comics were laughed at in their youth and now they're just so trying they're to reclaim that and 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 control the laughter and orchestrate it mm-hmm. so it's very different and clowning you've got to like could be complete relinquish com- control relinquish control and not do your usual tricks and stuff and just be a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very difficult. Yeah, I find it difficult, but when you get there, it's worth it, isn't it? So when have you done it? Hmm? When You said that you found it difficult. Um, well, I was in a um, theatre troupe, wasn't I? Uh, up until last year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time in those, in those classes, um, we'd have to pretend to be animals and things. Yeah, and then you played a character called uh, Sir Mince a lot. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I had to leave for you know, I had to leave my ego at the door for that. Yeah, we'll have to cover that when we come across it in two thousand and twenty-three. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about it. Though. Okay. So my favourite bits from the film I've mentioned one of them my other favourite bit was a guy on the street trying to sell him Bill Withers CDs <laughs> do you remember this bit? yeah and he pulls a gun on and him and then he bugs him <laughs> yeah. he pulls a gun on him and robs him yeah I thought that was genius yeah that was good like why why bother with the bit where he's trying to sell him a Bill Withers CD yeah and then um, but I suppose it's that's the first t- attempt to do it with, you know to try and get money from people without breaking the law and then well he he, he goes he's trying to sell people Bill Withers CDs the protagonist has got three ice creams in his hand yeah <laughs> and so they're dripping everywhere and the, the robber's getting annoyed about the ice creams and then the CDs fall to the floor. 
I think the guy who gets the protagonist says, "Well, can I keep a CD? Can I just buy a CD? Can I just yeah. buy a CD?" And he's like, and then he's, "No, you can't have an effing CD. There's no CDs in them. They fall to the floor. There's no CDs. Yeah, yeah. It's just all quite convoluted and funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and quite scary because he's really aggressive and horrible. Yeah, and I think he's like around the corner from this kid's school, isn't it? Where the, yeah, is. yeah. So a bit of trivia that um, the, that robber was played by Abel Ferrara, the film director who directed Bad Lieutenant. Oh wow, Harvey Keitel! That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know who plays the kids? Yeah, the the sons of the Sonic Youth guitarist. Yeah, and he's in it as well, isn't he? In a, a bit, he's a he, stepdad. He's a stepdad. Yeah, yeah. Lee Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I was looking at him, thinking, "Is that John Cale?" <laughs> yeah, and then I realised who it was. Yeah. Well, I was looking at one of the kids and thinking he looks a lot like Benny Safdie. Right. So I thought he was a kid of of Benny Safdie. But... Yeah. So apparently the Safdie brothers, they make films, a running theme of their films is fatherhood. Right. And okay. this film is based a lot on their father, actually. Oh, right. So that explains quite a lot of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cause it's sort of about the father's like good fun and you could sort of argue in most cases that his heart's in the right place and he's kind of bringing up his kids unconventionally, but he's, you know, he's... He's trying to make life an adventure and he's, he's constantly trying to find creative and fun things for them to do. But then he does spike them or leave them alone at the school gates for quite an extended period of time. And but, um, but he is a single dad and he is trying to hold down a job yeah. as a projectionist, which is really demanding with a, with a boss that's not understanding and workmates that are not understanding as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so He's kind of like desperate, isn't he? And he's got these two weeks with his kids, which he only gets once a year. So that's, yeah, that's... So there's pressure to give them a great time, spends a great time with them, but he can't leave his job either. He's, done, mm. he's, he's, he's financially, he's got no choice. Yeah. So he's up against the wall as well, as well as like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you, should, you shouldn't spike your kids. That's, that's, you shouldn't spike your That's kids. a line you do not cross, isn't it? And then, and then bizarrely, he spikes them in order to sort out his work problem and then once they get spiked and the doctors come to see them and they're asleep for three days he then leaves them on their own and goes out to dive bars and stuff and does graffiti so, yeah, yeah and gets, gets arrested, arrested. <laughs> yeah. so like it's kind of like what was the point in even spiking them if they're going to wake up on their own anyway which is what you were trying to avoid in the first place so he he, he was it was warts and all wasn't it I'd say yeah warts and all um, what was I going to say there? The Salamander. Yeah, I was going to come back to that. Um, it, I thought the Salamander was like they they opened the cereal the the plastic packet that the cereal's in, and the the uh, vessel that the Salamander was in was. I, I in. thought I thought she sneaked that in. Oh, okay, she well she fooled she fooled me as well as the kids. She it was probably outside of the bag, wasn't it? Thinking about it. I think she... I, di- I didn't see them open the seal of the plastic bag. They did, because then he scooped a load of cereal out, didn't he, to put in the salamanders. Yeah. Do you know what you could do is you could open a cereal box and then turn the, pull the packet of cereal out, turn it upside down, open the bottom seal, mm-hmm. put the salamander in, and then turn it back around as you put it in the in the cereal box. So then when they open the top of the cereal box, they've still got 
one seal that they can mm. open. Or no seal come out the bottom of the bag. Uh, at some point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something to think about anyway. I mean, is that is that a big problem for you? No, it wasn't. That a bit? Uh, just just, confu- just confusing. Would you like to have a salamander in your flat? I'd love to. I'd love to own a salamander. Yeah. Why don't you get one? Um, when you get back from travelling. When I get back, why don't I get a salamander? Well, there's already a bearded dragon in our building. What is that? A <laughs> what's that? What's that? <laughs> it's like a little. It's a, it was you, a big you lizard. Shouldn't say that about people. <laughs> it's a big lizard. Um, with you know. It's a bearded dragon. It's, it's a big, type of it's lizard. lizard. It's an iguana. It's kind of. A, a, it's probably a cousin of the iguana. Yeah. I've 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 met an iguana in uh, Montreal on a busker. Yeah. I didn't even know you'd been to Montreal. Oh yeah. What year was that? It's God knows. Probably oh. already. Probably already caught. Oh, it. I was going <laughs> to say. I hope he hasn't. No, I, I'll find out. I, so it must be post two thousand and eight. I think we might. I think we might. I think I might have forgotten Missed to it mention out. it. Oh my god! Um, you should get one. Like when you go travelling in China, you might come across geckos in the in the flats. No, it's bring one back. No, we're not saying bring one back. Uh, if I'm if, saying, I'm saying you might. If you go to southern China, where it's a bit hotter, you might have geckos in your apartment. We're going to uh, yeah the rice terraces in the south. I hope I, I hope I see at least six lizards when I'm travelling. Uh I hope so too. You set yourself quite a. Well, my mate normally lives in California. Says there's a lot of lizards around. Oh, you'll be fine. You're yeah. see you're gonna see no. Yeah, staying with him for two weeks. Yeah. Right, amazing. Listeners to the podcast will know Norm from the two thousand and I want to say six episode. Might not be. Microdosing. Um, Microdosing. Um, I can't remember what film we covered. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, it was a Pedro Almodovar film. Erotic rating for this film zero. Well, not it's a man's world. Okay, yeah, I know, a, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, okay. There was a naked woman. There in was it. a naked woman. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a man's world, and that's not that erotic. It wasn't very erotic. Was no, it? a man's world's not erotic. Although she was, you know, attractive. She to was naked a, woman. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, and wry smile factor. Yeah. Zero. Oh, I've got wry smile factor as. Uh, out the wazoo, come on! I, because I, I don't think I don't think a lot of his antics will laugh out loud funny. I think you'd. I think there's a right at, at the end. He goes, um, I can't remember. He gets really excited and he calls his kids M- MFs. Does he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I thought that was well. That's probably laugh out loud funny actually. Um, it was like if he. Do you know what his character is similar to? Is similar to Vince Vaughn's characters in a lot of stuff. Quick talking. Does bad things, doesn't admit to it. He's funny, he's charming, but he's not as charming as Vince Vaughn. But um, Vince Vaughn very much keeps his ego with him, doesn't he? Whereas I'd say that um, Lenny <laughs> leaves his ego, doesn't he? Do you reckon? Yeah, punctures through it. Um, okay. Yeah, punctures through it. I think he's a clown then. I think he's on his way to being a clown, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's on his way to being Kramer. All right, we disagree on the Rise Smile Factor. Mm hmm. Did you enjoy this film? Um, just one more about um, bubble bath um, yeah. and dilutants. Yeah, uh, he he pours the bubble bath in the in the bath. It uh, puts quite a lot in, and then he thinks about it and puts a little bit more in. Yeah. Um, would you describe yourself as someone who uses more or less dilutants? 
What's the dilutant? The water. Sorry, the no, the the um, the bubble bath. Yeah, is that is that a dilutant? Well, anything. Any, I'm talking bubble bath, cordial. Yeah. Um, I'm last days around. What, putting loads in? I I'm last days. I'm last days around. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm frivolous. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to just tell tell off off. Me, 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 and my grandpa were. were um, What's the word when you're a bit tight with money? Frugal. Frugal. Mm. Me and my grandpa are frugal. Okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a put a jumper on sort of person, turn the heating off. Uh-huh. All that, all of that. I'm not, I, I'm not lavish in the, the way I eat. I don't treat myself to expensive toys and clothes and stuff like this. I don't, I don't need meals out all the time to get by. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled. Um, so, but bubble bath, I'm like, yeah, whack it in. <laughs> it's, it's not that expensive, bubble bath. And um, it's fun, and it creates joy. It sparks joy in people. And cordial, I'll be like, yeah, you want a strong cordial? Let's have a strong cordial. Mm. What I don't want, what I don't like, is, which I think everyone does, actually, so it could be a bit controversial. I don't like it when you people pour the cordial in the glass first and then pour in the water second. Oh, yeah, that's the way to do it. That's how everyone does it. Because that way you, you, you can keep, it's easy to keep consistency because you know what levels you're pouring at. That's that's true, but the the cordial is heavy, heavier than water. So if you put in the water first and then you put the cordial in, you see the cordial drift down Throughout the glass, and so then you don't. Fun. You don't need to stare. It's not a bit fun. You don't need to stare it. Oh, right. It's mixed in correctly. Whereas if you put in the heavier liquid first, the thicker liquid, and then put the water in, it's not mixed properly. All the funds at the bottom, the sediments at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. Well, you know, you have to, you have to mix it. You have to mix it. You, you have to that. mix it. Yeah. But does not the force of the water going into the glass uh, diffuse it? Can do. But it's a bit uneven, mm. and I'm all about saving time and efficiency. So I don't, I don't have to mix it afterwards. What about the amount of um, fairy liquid or washing up liquid that you use? Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty generous with that as well. But it, you know, I think this is not controversial. I buy fairy liquid, yeah, even though it's expensive. Yeah, I, me too. I will not buy a bad brand because it, you know, obviously false economy. False economy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a common one, isn't it? Yeah, it's some things you can't get around it, can you? They've yeah. cornered the market. Yeah, they they make a good quality product. Where do you stand on that bubble bath? Um, well, you know, I don't get baths because I don't have a bath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and it's you know it's a sore point really. Is it? Yeah. Um, I'd love to have a bath. And the last time I had... You, you could fit a bath in that bathroom. Mm. You could. You could. Okay. Um, Maybe. Maybe not. I had a bath in the last place I lived with, Carlos. Um, but it, the the water never got hot enough, so I didn't have, didn't have baths there. Um, You've not had a bath for years? I haven't had a bath for years. Have you had one at Jenny and Peter's? They no longer have a bath. Why not? Uh, it's a wet, wet, wet room situation. They're retired, aren't they? Yeah. They should be enjoying baths. Yeah, I would be, yeah. But I, I, said, I, I was speaking to someone else about this and they said, yeah, I don't, I'm not bothered about baths. 
Um, and I'd say, if I had a bath, I, oh, Simon Kelly, I'd be saying, I'd be having a bath all the time. Like, I have a bath probably once every two weeks. Yeah. Or, or like, I get in a bath with Griff. Do you know what you should do when you travel around the world? Have as many baths as I can. Go to a hot springs in China. Okay. Well, there's there's hot springs in Colorado. I'm going to tell you something now. Or New Mexico. Sam, go on. Just go for a spa day in China. Oh, yeah? It's a lot cheaper than spa days in Britain. Oh, really? And a lot more novel. Like, a lot more strange. Yeah, but it's difficult. No, it's, like, amazing. Like, if you want to, like, order a plate of dumplings or sushi or sandwiches or whatever, you just, like, press a button, they bring it to you and stuff. What, while I'm in there? Do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll, Do whatever you I'll want. I'll bear that in mind. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like we should move on, shouldn't yeah. we? Um, just one more question based on the film. Okay, quick. Did it re- did it make you rethink your parenting style? Uh, it makes you feel better as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you feel better. Like you're like, okay, I'm not I'm not spiking my kids, so I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Okay, then. Um, so should we move on to the year 2009? Yes. So 2009, just a quick recap, I moved in 2009 from Ince Avenue Anfield where I lived with Jack. Jack Oatsy. Jack Oatsy. The Omega Man. Yeah. Where's an Omega Seamaster watch? Yeah. Nice watch. I've told you the story behind that though, haven't I? You didn't want me to mention it because... It's just an, a, quite a sad story behind it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you did tell me, yeah. Um, and I moved what, in... What was the sad story? So uh, it's, his, it's his friend's deceased father's watch. He, he, why, why has his friend not got it then? Uh, well, I guess, he, guess Jack was close to him and his friend got other stuff. Um, and I moved into a really, really, really nice flat on um, Rodney Street with Ed Beamer. So Ed Beamer was seeing a girl called Catherine, who was also a friend of mine. And she was living there, but she was moving back to Belfast. It was like the friend's flat. It was like really nice, really good location, um, but it was on at a really cheap rate. Mm-hmm. And and the the landlord, well, it was the landlord's son that dealt with it, and he just couldn't be asked to do anything basically, so he just kept the rent the same, anything for an easy life kind of thing. So he had a sweet deal. So we had a sweet deal. It had a balcony. Living in the sort of Covent Garden of Liverpool, would you say? What would you describe Rodney Street as compared to London Park Lane? Park Lane of Liverpool. Yeah. 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 Balcony. No way, really. B-Day. Balcony onto the street or onto the back? Uh, well, balcony onto uh, Roscoe Street. Oh, right, yeah. But the back, because there's a bit of a... There was a bit of a... Um, there was a bit of a, like, a yard, and then at the end of the yard there's a tiny, tiny house, and Jim Jim Davidson lived there for a little bit. The, the, your friend, Jim Davidson. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the writer, Jim the, the writer, James Davidson. Yeah. And did you use the B-Day? I mean, I dare say I used it from time to time, but it, it didn't become a habit. You used it if if um, if things were a bit messy down there? Uh, if things were a bit messy down there, maybe. Or yeah. just for a bit of fun? Probably, yeah, probably more for novelty. novelty Not, really, so yeah. more for fun. More for fun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So he lived in Rodney Street. Yeah, and uh, this was the year that um, I met a new girl. Oh, right, okay. So we lived below... So two doctors lived above us, uh, junior doctors, or trainee doctors. You're just describing men behaving badly, aren't you, basically? <laughs> and they were friends with the... the they were, you know, working with, with this uh, girl that I met, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd go on to um, spend five five years with Lucy. Oh right! This 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 is uh, this leads us up to when we met. Uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. So Lucy was a doctor. Lucy was a, I guess, a junior doctor at that point. Um, yeah. And you met her because she lived above you. Yeah. So what is that? How did you ask her out, or how did she ask you out? Um, well, it was Hull City's second season in the Premier League, um, and their first game of the season against Chelsea was on the te- television. Uh, we often would go to Pogmahones yeah, for breakfast. So kill, I say breakfast. It must have been in the afternoon. Kill two bears with bears with one stone. Breakfast and the football at Pogmahones. Invited the guys downstairs upstairs. They brought Lucy, got to chatting. Would you like to go and see Inglorious Bastards at the cinema? Okay. Uh, what would do you think that was a good choice of film? What did she think of it? Um Yeah, I don't know. What <laughs> Do you remember anything about the date? Um Well before that I I I said that I'd show her around Liverpool because she would she'd just moved to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and we went for a walk and I ended up, we ended up just walking to where the exhibition centre is now. Yeah. But at that point it was just a, um, a building site. Good. So basically ended up walking into a a wasteland. But were you enjoying each other's company? Enjoying each other's company and, you know, we made, made a joke out of it. But if it was, you know, if it was someone else who didn't say that as a joke, then a stranger had just led her to a, a wasteland, so it could have ended very... Yeah, it could have been a bit... Um, for either of us. Pardon? For, well, it could have ended differently for either of us. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think of the cinema as a dating medium, first date medium? I think it's pretty good, actually, because... Really? Um, it's not, there's not much, much pressure on keeping up conversation for an extended period of time. You've got something to talk about afterwards. You've got a little bit of time to talk before. I think it's terrible. Because of those reasons? No, no, those are good reasons, but but the actual activity, that sitting next to a, a stranger who you fancy for two hours, that's, that's unbearable. Mm. Without any sort of... And then what if you chose the wrong film? Which I have done. Oh, God. Yeah, I've done that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. It can be fraught. It can be fraught, mm, yeah. I remember I chose a film about some Icelandic sheep farmers and there's barely any dialogue in the whole film. <laughs> that was pretty difficult. That was really difficult, yeah. The worst film I watched with someone that I fancied was Happiness by Todd Salons. Ouch, yeah. Dark. Absolute masterpiece, but incredibly dark. Bleak, yeah. And bleak. And I was hungover as well. <sighs> Um, and one more thing about 2009, uh, I went on my first um, all-inclusive holiday as an adult with Simon Kelly. And I don't think I've talked about Simon Kelly a lot on this podcast. Yeah, shout out. Um, so we, I lived with Simon 
for a couple of years after university, um, we decided to go on a, uh, you know, an all-inclusive holiday to a place near Barcelona with his friend Adam. Um, we went to a water park one day, and it really sort of sparked like a childlike um, wonder, in, yeah, wonder and sense of fun in me when we went to the when we went to the water park. I'd say that's. The aim of water park, water parks, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but not many things do that, really, do they? Theme parks, yeah, uh, yeah, fairgrounds, not as much. Water parks, water parks, um, village fates, no, no, they're depressing. I say wrestling, wrestling events, yeah, wrestling events, monster trucks, monster, monster truck events, uh, potentially, yeah. Equ- equestrian know. events, equestrian no, events, absolutely not, no, because you get to, you'll start thinking about class and stuff, then, wouldn't you? Dog racing, um, no. No, I think that would be Sparks, a bit bleak. Child, childlike one, doesn't it? <laughs> what about, what about uh, bare-knuckle boxing? <laughs> I think that sparks, like, fun, but in a different way. Bare-knuckle boxing? I'd say bare-knuckle boxing is different to water parks. Cow tipping? <laughs> oh, that's cruel, isn't it? Stealing golf carts? Yeah, absolutely. That's fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, have I covered that in this podcast? No, no. I think I've missed that as well. Sorry. Oh my god. Yeah, I had a. Maybe we should start from scratch. Ch- from ch- yeah, childhood in Winchester. When we were about eighteen, we my friend lived next to a golf course, and we kept stealing golf carts until one night we crashed them head-on collision, and we left them, in, left them in the middle of oh, right. the green, and uh, never did it again. Wow. We yeah. once stole a um, roller at a tennis. A roller. Course. The really heavy roller. Yeah, yeah. With a ride on. And then you, you, you sent it down some subway steps, <laughs> and it killed, it killed, killed a killed a commuter. Uh, sleepers, sleepers, sleepers. Yeah, one of the best films ever. Yeah. Um, so, anything else? No, that's it for me. Two thousand nine. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> well, two thousand nine. My one was quite similar to yours in a sense. Um, so I was working as a waiter at the Dorchester Hotel. Okay. As we've covered. London. Uh, pardon? London. Yeah, Park Lane. Yeah. Um, and I met a Mauritian girl called Leone. Uh-huh. Leone Dotman de Villiers. Nice name. Um, Dutch. Dutch and French heritage descended from like... Dutch and French aristocrats and they retain the name um, but living in Mauritius mm-hmm. from Mauritius uh, so she was a French Mauritian um, and they all retain those sort of grand names if they're in Mauritius it's a very colonial sort of place right okay yeah um, the French Mauritians anyway segregated place I'd say it is Segregated in a way, it's presented as like it's presented as like the rainbow. They call it the Rainbow Island, and they have a rainbow flag. Uh, not LGBT plus, mm-hmm. like um, like they 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 portray it as all these different cultures living together. So you've got the French Mauritians, Indian Mauritians, uh, Chinese Mauritians, and Creole Mauritians. Mm. 
um, and they portray it as living in harmony or living together. And I'd say that in their work, in their work lives, they all kind of work together, mm-hmm. kind of mix together, melange, I call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but their home lives, they are quite segregated, and like this is where the French missions live, this is where the Indian missions live, this is where the Creole missions live, and quite a lot of uh, disparate in, in, inequality. inequality between the groups as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And like the Indian missions kind of run government and bureaucracy, and the Chinese missions kind of run retail, um, and the French missions are kind of at the top of the pile, running like tourism, land ownership, etc. And the Creole missions are kind of like an underclass of like just like living in more like kind of huts and stuff, uh, shanties and that. There's a lot of history with slavery that mm-hmm. is not being put to bed, right? And you know, yeah, that legacy still, still there, still um, evident. Yeah, definitely. And but also, it's easy to have the British perspective. It's easy for me to criticise it when Britain instigated all this stuff. So, what was uh, Leonie doing in London? Um, was she, so she was she working at the Dorchester? Uh, she was working at Dorchester as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, her, I, I, yeah, it was a bit of a roundabout way. I, I asked her friend for her number and phoned her and asked her out. Right, phoned her. Yeah, on the phone. So. Yeah, and she was a bit taken aback by it, but eventually agreed. Eventually. Yeah, just like a bit of a, a long, probably like a five-minute phone call. Okay, which is quite long actually. So you had to state your case. Yeah, yeah, I did, and think she'd probably never been asked by, out by someone before, and probably I was quite nervous doing it, so it's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. I could have just done it in person, waited, but um, that's what I did. Why do you think you decided to do it on the phone and not in person? Maybe like I couldn't wait another two weeks or something till I saw her again or something. Why would it be two weeks? I don't know when our next shift together would shift be or partners. whatever. Uh, so you don't think straight, do you, when you? kind of enamoured with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah. But good that you um, spoke on the phone rather than text. Yeah, it was a different time, wasn't it? I don't know. I, don't, I think it was still, you know, people still were pretty reliant on text. That that's, people were reliant on text at that time. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't think it was pressure to do things yeah. via voice. Apart from if you had to, if you were to break up with someone. Think that would have had to be. Yeah, you can't do that by text. You can't do it like fa- by fax, like Phil Collins, can you? No, is that what Phil Collins does? Yeah. So um, we started going out, and then things went well, and then by December two thousand and nine, we decided we were going to move to Mauritius. Wow. Yeah. Things progressed quickly, and we started saving money. I, I moved into her grandparents' house in uh, Stockwell, in London. Mm-hmm. Her Mauritian grandparents lived, spent their, half their time in London, half the time in Mauritius. And this was the same year? Yeah, I think so. So you moved, you basically moved in together in the, in the same year. We months. started going out, I think so. Unless we started going out the year before. <laughs> Can't remember. And then living in that big three-storey house in Stockwell. And then... 
her parents came over for Christmas to Stockwell mm-hmm. and uh, met her dad, mum and dad for the first time, Mario, Mario and Sarah. Uh-huh. And uh, Mario was a very extrovert, interesting, eccentric character. You've told me a bit about Mario before. When I when I picture Mario, I picture someone at a barbecue, yeah, holding courts, yeah, uh, asking people in the party what they, how they want their um, steaks cooking. Yeah, and giving a, giving a lot off, giving a lot off, basically. I giving it a lot off. Um, sorry, having a lot off, having a lot off, <laughs> a laugh. <laughs> you do that. Having a lot off, having a lot off. What's that? You having a lot off. You know, having a lot off. Give giving a lot off. Having a lot off. You know, I heard this expression before. I'm wondering never, if it's a Yorkshire expression. Never, never. If you have a lot off, you sort of just like, you know, give, giving it the big I am. Not there you go. Just say that. <laughs> just say that. Yeah, okay. But he's, give, he's, he's having a lot off, he's joking with people. He's a funny, he was a funny man. Okay. He, he wasn't He wasn't the alpha male holding court in that way, but oh, right. he was more like he'd just sit there chain smoking, uh, drinking, getting steadily drunker and making really daft outlandish statements when you did a drinking gesture then you, it was in a it was a small glass it's because I'm holding a pepper pig to oh, right. I thought he, I thought he had an interesting drink that he would drink like a sherry or something uh, he, he no he, he worked for his whole career in the only brewery in Mauritius oh, Phoenix wow. Lager well one of two and um, yeah and then he it got bought out by Coca-Cola and he got made redundant. Anyway, met Mario and Sarah and then drinking one night and then he said, talking about my work visa situation, getting a job over there mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was a bit drunk and he was, said something along the lines of, well, do you like, do you love my daughter? And I was like, yes. And he's like, well, it's simple then, you just get married and then you don't need a visa. Whoa. You know, the drink was talking. Yeah. But but he, he was he saw things in a very black and white way uh-huh. and and stuff. And he's a he's French by heritage. They're all out and out Mauritians. Okay. But um, are they but similar in descended from French people? So they're similar in sort of um, character to, to the French. No, French Mauritians are. There is a Mauritian personality and. Um, he Mario had it in spades. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they all speak Creole. Creole is like the, the thing that unites all the different cultures in Mauritius. Like they all speak. That's their common language, um, which is kind of like a, amalgamation of, English, French, and African dialects all rolled into one. Sometimes called a pidgin French, mm-hmm. um, and. That's like the great thing that connects them. He he he's, he was a Mauritian, yeah. Uh, they didn't have the some of the attitudes of French people, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So he called the space space, and he's saying, "Do you want to marry my daughter?" Yeah, and then I not I, that it's his decision. Yeah, it was just like a passing comment, and it set off a bit of a chain reaction in my mind. Right, and then um, went through Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then I, th- I think in Betwixtmas I went to Hatton Garden in to, London. In London, right. and I bought a ring. Okay, I thought you were going to say you robbed it. 
No, no, not like, not like the uh, the heist. And um, bought a ring. Okay. Did the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. I think. Go on. One of the most embarrassing things I've ever done in my life. And is this two thousand nine or two thousand ten? This is New Year's Eve, two thousand and nine. There's a bridge called Prince Albert Bridge. It, on the Thames, okay, with loads of lights on it, it's really picturesque. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was there on the night before New Year's Eve. It's like, oh, this is lovely, this is picturesque. And I like tied like a rose to one of the cantilevers. Yeah, is that, I don't know. That's what you call it. <laughs> I with a note saying, "Will you marry me?" And then um, dragged Leone out on New Year's Eve. And I've sat in a really depressing pub in Lambeth, um, like a dodgy pub. And she was like having not having a great night, uh, just like just the two of you, or yeah, just the two of us. And like she was like, "Oh, this is really boring. Let's just go home," sort of thing. I was like, "No, it's New Year's Eve. Let's have fun and that." And then we then we had to go on quite a big walk to the bridge. And I got to the bridge, and it was absolutely ram jam packed. Which I thought there'd be no one on it. Yeah, yeah. Thought there'd be no one on it. Oh my god! And then we had to like fight. Our, I had to like fight our way through crowds to this very specific location, and then and then I had to be like, "Oh, look at that! Someone's left a rose there, and a and a note, and this is like in front, like loads of people around us and stuff." And then she was like really stunned and shocked by it. And before she'd read it, or before when I when I kind of proposed. So did she read the note or did you read I it? I kind of had to point it out. I was like, oh, will you marry me? And then like got the ring out and then she realised it was me who was doing that. And then she was like really shocked. Mm-hmm. And then she was, she was a bit like, oh, uh, I don't know, sort of reaction. Okay. So not the reaction you want. And then like someone next to me was like, oh, a girl next to me was like, oh, did she say yes? Sort of thing. And I was like, kind of. And uh, it was just very painful yeah and then we had to get a night bus back on the night bus sat on the front seat of the night bus top deck back to the house yeah and we just had a really long honest conversation there okay and and uh, oh yeah another painful bit about it is that I'd asked Mario and Sarah's permission the day before so they were on ten, tender hooks yeah tender hooks ten, tender hooks yeah, yeah I never know not tender hooks. Thank you for that. Yeah, That's no. the one good thing I've got out of this. That I know. So it's tender hooks. Tender hooks. Yeah. So they're on. T- so we got back to the house and just went straight to the bedroom and like didn't come out till like ten p.m. the next day. Ten p.m. Just like chatting and like yeah and like you know and then obviously the parents want to know what happened and then I told Mario I did you know we're just going to see how things go sort of thing when, right, we, when okay. we get to Mauritius and what happened with the ring. Uh, I think I took it back to Hatton Garden. They said we don't do <laughs> we don't do refunds, but it wasn't the most expensive ring you've ever seen. Bought. No, no, okay. So that was fine. Uh, and so were you on good terms then? Still, yeah, we were. That's good. And we we went to Mauritius on good terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And what? Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, stay tuned. I guess. Yeah. Just. Um, it was just very. Unlike me, well, especially I'm, I'm if you'd not, only known her a matter of months. But I'm guessing you did actually meet her in 2008. I think I did. We we know we'd been going out at least a year, I think. Mm-hmm. But 
what I think about the whole experience is what I find strange is I just think who was that person who mm-hmm. was that Chris Jenkins because that's not it, it wasn't me it's not me now would you so say unlike me you're more cautious now would you say I'd say I'm more cautious yes but I mean just the way he went about things is not what I would do now so do you judge him harshly for the, for um, the way that he proposed no no he was young and well it was me I was young <laughs> and I was young and I and if anything I admire like just yeah. jumping in with both feet yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be quite proud of yeah myself for such actions yeah but 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 I think it was incredibly cheesy yeah well that's what I'm, that's what that, yeah. that's what I wondered if you found it he found it cringy like the actual like the bridge and the rose and everything yeah. and the no well there's, like, n- there's no like non-cringy way of doing it is there there is there is okay like Will Dickey just proposed to Fabiola in a really nice way in an understated U- utilitarian way utilitarian way <laughs> like they just went for a walk is that recently in Snowdonia Snowdonia and they did it in a place that was special to them both and you know there weren't other people around and it was Understated, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Utilitarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. So, there's ways of doing it, and also just the way I rushed it all. But I, th- I think I, I was in like a madness descended on me within the space of like four days, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Or seven days. But I, I think the biggest crime in engagements is cliche, and that, that doesn't strike me as being cliched. What's cliche? What's the clicheding proposal to you? Um, doing it on the jumbotron. Uh, like an American sports game, yeah. Um, but that's not very. I mean, what what would a British one be? Um, well, I don't, I don't Anfield. Know. Uh, no, no. I, I, I mean, that's just a bit crap, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're on dangerous ground here because uh, why? Well, it could be people listening to this. People listening to this will have engaged. Got got engaged. Proposed to people in all different types of ways, aren't they? Right, you're worried about offence. Yeah, it's just personal preference, isn't it? Yeah. Do write in. Have you ever proposed to someone on a big screen telly? Yeah, big screen telly. Jumbotron. Um, what would you, what was the English phrase, English word for jumbotron? Scoreboard. Scoreboard or Sony Triniton. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's just a big TV. Um, have you ever have you ever proposed to someone on a scoreboard? Do write in. Do write in. Yeah. How many married listeners would you say we've got? Oh, uh, double figures. So we want to hear about your proposals. Do write in. Yeah, that, that's a good writing. Well, yeah, that's a good writing. If they're interesting, you know, if if they're particularly good or particularly bad, we don't want to uh, hear about it. It could be just tell us no. We don't want to know if they're good or bad. Well, I mean, I could tell you about most of them. We just want in a sentence what you did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, there was a lot of learning from that, I'd say. Yeah, well, an excellent episode in your life. And also, during 2009, I had a subscription to Love Film. (laughs) They used to send me DVDs in the post. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this feels like there's a lot of parallels between our 2009s, actually. Yeah. Um, Because I think I had a Love Film as well. Um, I think I might have drank piss in 2009. Pardon? I think I might have drank urine in 2009. Oh, sorry, I wasn't calling you up on your language, and I was just like, (laughs) did he actually say piss? Yeah. We had a party at that flat, and um, 
I was on the balcony and there was a bottle of beer on the balcony. Um, you, you just describe an American Pie too again. <laughs> and we had this last week. We had this last week about something. Yeah. And um, it's all pissed in the bottle. I was quite drunk, and I took the I took the cap off the bottle, and I drank it. And it tasted really weird, and I thought that cap came off easily. Right. That you drank weed. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I had a love filled subscription. You you drank weed. Yeah. Are we going to choose? Um, are we going to choose a film for, or should we just leave it? Have you chosen? Uh, it's your turn, I think. Is it? Um, should we just mind. say um, to be continued? Yeah, yeah. I mean, write in if you want us to choose the film in the week before. Let us know, or if you're happy for us to um, take a bit more time over it. We can open it up to the listeners. And say you got any suggestions for 2010 films? Yeah, you've got four months to tell us a 2010 film. Four months, yeah. I mean that's good. So you are going away. Can I read you a poem before you set off? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bear this in mind while you're travelling. Okay. This poem's called "Footprints in the Sand." One night, I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes of my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed the low periods of my life when I was suffering anguish, sorrow or defeat. I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints. (laughs) Quite (laughs) laboured. One set of footprints in the sand. I think we got that. Why, when I needed you most... Have you not been there for me? The Lord replied, The times when you have seen only one set of footprints <laughs> is when I carried you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. Yeah, well, I knew the ending. I knew I knew why there was only one set of footprints. Yeah. Um, so whether I've heard the whole thing or I just got the gist, you know, read the cliff notes or something, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, but why did you choose because I thought it was going to be one that you'd written a a poem that you'd written oh right you've never I didn't write that no you've never read a poem written by someone else before why have you chosen I just thought this was appropriate for you setting off on your journey it's quite it's quite religious isn't it yeah it's very religious yeah I guess so I guess so there's not. There's nothing really hey, religious just about. Substitute my... the Lord bit for Claire. our friendship. Oh uh, right, okay. I'll be, I'll be there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, like he ain't heavy, he's my brother. <laughs> That's nice, sort yeah. of sentiment. Oh, oh, or good. Wayne Coyne. What did Wayne Coyne say? Tell everybody waiting for a Superman to hold on the best they can. He hasn't dropped them, forgot them, or anything. Flaming Lips? Yeah. What album's that? Yeah, I don't know. I have to cover that now. Um, th- no, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I'll, th- I'll, th- I'll think about it. Do. Try lots of food. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Yeah, good advice. And, um, honour. Uh, what I've taken from you about, um, the Far East. Can you call it that? Can you call it that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that it's a lot about honour, isn't it? You always talk a lot about honour. It, it's about saving face. Saving face. Giving face and saving face. Okay, yeah. I still don't understand that, even after living there. Because I think you do that in any culture. I'm reading James, James Davidson's book at the moment. and Sister Outsider. Outcast Sister. Outcast Sister, available through all good booksellers. Yeah, mainly Amazon. Right. Um... And the the John Doe at the beginning yeah. has got their um, face, their hand stuck to the face. With glue? Mm, well, you think it's glue, but no, I can't say anymore. That's too many spoilers. Why have you brought this up? Saving face. Right. I see, I see. It just made me think of faces. Yeah, small faces. Yeah, faces of Rod Stewart. I saw a good Rod Stewart video this morning. I nearly sent it to you. <laughs> Okay. I'll send it to you later. Okay. Um, is there a, a word or phrase that we could use to sum up this episode? Uh, unicycling in a graveyard. Unicycling in a graveyard. Perfect. Bon voyage and bon courage. Merci. Merci.